All right, well, listen, um, those of you who want to just do a little extracurricular stuff, we got, there was a wonderful, uh, like, 15-minute devotion that Dutch Sheets gave this week, and I just, on Obadiah, and I just want you to just, if you get a chance, go search for it online, but it's, it's great. It was his last 15-minute thing, and he really talked about Obadiah and Obed-Edom, and how he had hosted the Ark of God for three months, and then he was so compelled by the presence of God that was in his house for so long, that when the Ark was taken out, he moved his whole family and just said, we're not staying here. Everything in our life has been disrupted. We're going with God. We're moving with the Ark. And so I thought it was so appropriate because he even back in 2008 did a 24-7 thing with the church for three months. And I found it so interesting that we're on three months. We're on the 99th day today. Tomorrow marks 100 days and of this habitation. So I just want to encourage you like this. It's so remarkable, all the confirmations that God is doing the same thing all over the place. It's so incredible to see God breathing life on his church. But I want to start this morning with a few, um, just a few testimonials of what God is doing in hearts and families. So Melissa Hagen, Josiah and Sarah Truman, is, is Crystal Tangway in here? No, is she able to come over? Can she escape for five minutes? See if she can, and you go last, you and Rob, you and, I mean, you and her, Rob. I just want to get a few short testimonials just about what God's doing here, because I think it's absolutely remarkable. Um, you're first, Melissa. They're making me go first. <laughs> and she brightened my day uh, this last week. Um, it was just, just share. I'm not going to take your... No, no, it's fine. Um, hi. How's it going, everybody? So, yeah, I wasn't able to be in service last week. Um, I stayed home. I don't remember why. But I, was, I watched the sermon. The, I know, right? I watched the sermon on Monday, and I sat down. And it's so cool because it's on YouTube, and I could put it on my TV. So I was like, yes. So I put it on my TV. And then um, I watched the worship, but I forwarded a little bit long because I want to just get to the message. Um, and Aaron, Sean, like, it kind of feel like a... Like a plea almost, like, guys, like, hey, I need you guys to sign up. And honestly, I was like, I didn't feel discouraged. I didn't feel um, aggravated because I have in the past. But hearing him with that, like, I felt like the father's heart, like a father trying to tell his son, like, hey, buddy, you can get your work done. I know it's, you've been going for two hours, but you can get it done. And honestly, I just, I feel so fed here spiritually. And I feel like, Everybody here helps me grow so much. So why can't I put in two hours? Like, I just did the math with Caitlin. 24 hours times seven is 168 minus two hours, 166. No, yeah, 166. You have 166 hours to do your thing. Do what you got to do then. But two hours to come down here, I don't think is that much, but I really felt encouraged. I signed up on Thursday by myself. I put my name because I don't normally do that. I just like to chime in with them. But I was like, okay, I have my kids. Garnett's running around. Jelena did something on the piano. She did wonderful. Um, my husband chimed in. He, wasn't, he was supposed to work and he didn't work. He was able to come and it was like pulling teeth a little bit, but then God, like I was praying, like God would just like bring him in and he came. We prayed together and it was so amazing. I signed up again. Like, 
I'm like, what? Like, I don't normally do that. So guys, it's encouraging. Your message was so encouraging. And you guys can all do it one time, one time, one time. You guys can do it. <laughs> you know what blessed me about her is literally I was, we were sitting talking and just processing and stuff. And she, she wrote and she sent a clip of the video to me saying, one time, not even one time, you know, like over and over. And then she laughs and says, I'm going to just can I share your text. She said, wow, we are a piece of asterisk, 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 asterisk. And that's Melissa, though. That's her personality. She's just, she laughed and she said, wow. And we're like, she's like, I'm signing up. And I just was like, I love Melissa because she's like, she doesn't get offended. She doesn't get ruffled. She just receives, teaches. It is what it is and responds. And I mean, man, may my heart, Lord, be as quick to change as Melissa. Really. I mean, it's just awesome. Yeah, I mean, watching, watching her journey to get to that place was like, she would get angry and frustrated. There was a point in time during the outpouring where she was like, this was one time. She only said this one time, one time. We need to make Sean a shirt that says one time. Okay. Um, but with praying hands on the back. Um, but she was like, Kate, I just, I don't get it. And oh, I just want to go up there and tell everybody to just shut up. Go home. Nobody cares. And it like, if you, if you, if you look at the, the attitudes of our hearts that this confronts, that's really what God is after. This is not about doing what Sean Foster says or what Josiah or Steve, or like she was saying, like, we get fed by Sean. We get fed by Josiah, Steve, Steph, Noah. Like, we get fed by these people, and they make a call to us as a family, and it's like, she's like, we can do two hours. You have 166 hours for the rest of the week to live your life. Like, and um, it just... Uh, over the weekend, we went bowling, saw a homeless person, and I had a blanket in my trunk, and it was my daughter's Minnie Mouse blanket. And um, she was sad that I, we gave it to this homeless person, but it just made me think, like, God is going to ask us for precious things. Like, time is precious, and God will ask us for us. Like, God's going to ask us for Isaac. He's going to ask us for Isaac. Like, and are we willing to give him Isaac is really the issue at hand. So don't be offended. Don't judge the leadership. You're, you're having offense with the Lord, really, at the end of the day. Um, so, yeah, just like Melissa, really, in this process, like wearing humility like a gown in this season, and it's beautiful fruit in our life. So, uh, one time. <laughs> okay. First off, it talks so much about the goodness of God that we have things to testify about as our family. Like, it's so amazing. Um, in the beginning of the whole habitation, I was here like the first 12 hours of it. I didn't go home and I was by myself away from my family. And I said, I have to stay fast forward. Like I'm, I want to paint a full picture for you guys. So you understand the depth of my daughter's revelation. Okay. So we, we've been here, we've been doing it. I've been plugging in, doing connections with people, doing sets with people and all this stuff. But God was really stirring my heart to plead with my husband to come with me. And so I was like, can we just sign up on Saturday, like two hours after you get out of work and just go? I'll make food. I'll make sure it's packed. I'll do whatever it takes for us to go. Please, can we go? I'm asking as your wife, can we lay these two hours down? Can you please abide with this in me? That's literally how I said it to him. I was like, will we accommodate him or will we not? And it was like, I don't care what it looks like. I don't, doesn't matter. So the first week, my husband was extremely nervous on the stage and he was like, 
I don't know what I'm doing, but I love Jesus, okay? And like, then towards the end of the set for 20 minutes, he straight up was preaching. And it was incredible to see the immediate transaction taking place on stage because I stepped off the stage and allowed my husband to feel uncomfortable for two seconds and allowed him to chase after God instead of trying to control the situation. That was one part. And then the other part is... Um, yesterday was week four of us doing it together, which was really awesome. And our kids have been on stage with us and everything. And Lizzie's just been like pouring out this um, Holy Jesus song that she repeats every Saturday. And like now I've like built it in. Like I got a chord progression, you know, the jam. It's so cool. She's four and a half just to paint this picture for you guys. She got saved about four months ago. Um, she, yeah. <laughs> Woo! Um, needless to say, she's been really captured with, why does Jesus love me? Who is Jesus? Why is it so personal to me? And like, she's really been trying to get it. <laughs> and so I thought it would be a good idea to like marinate their brains in things that would make sense for that. Like letting her watch VeggieTales, even though I despise it and things that I really don't like watching, but it's like, it's going to help her brain. So needless to say, we started watching Narnia about two weeks ago. And the scene where um, Aslan goes to die for Edmund on the stone table, we all know that that's Jesus dying on the cross, right? But the part is that I didn't have to tell her that. She said it herself. She looked at me and said, Mom, that's like Jesus, right? And I was like, yes, Elizabeth. Yes, that's like Jesus. And like I, st I started weeping. I was like, my kid gets it. Like it was so cool. And so when, when the scene calmed down and he came out of the sunlight, oh, when he came out of like the stone table cracked and then he came out, right? And he like looks at the two girls, um, Lucy and Susan. My daughter looks at me and she's like, I just want to be with Jesus, mom. I just want to know Jesus, mom. Like they know Aslan, I want to know Jesus. I want to be Lucy, that's what she said. <laughs> so yeah, that's all. <laughs> that's awesome. Come on, Crystal. Yay. I'm like, what am I doing here? What <laughs> Um, so I just want to testify that um, the habitation or whatever we're calling it, just the prayer, has been so impactful in my life. Um, I mean, for years I've been talking at my life group just, you know, saying like, oh, like wanting to have this habit of being in God's presence but letting the tyranny of the urgency, as Josiah says, like, keep me from doing that, you know, like having to care for my family, having to care for my kids. And what I feel like God has done is like, you know, we've been talking for a couple of years about preparation and God has given us this strategy to prepare us. Like literally two months ago, I felt like, God, if you showed up and did what you said you're going to do, I'm going to be one of those ones left behind, which is kind of crazy to say because like I'm in leadership, but like I knew the state of my heart and my spiritual life wasn't, it was waning. It was woeful, as I've told my life group. It was woeful. And now, through engaging in the prayer blocks, like, it's this set-apart time where I can come, and I'm literally just basking in the Word. Like, when I started, I would just read the Word for two hours straight, and just, just as I felt led, I would respond to it and pray. And um, I read more Scripture in the last two months than I probably read in five years total. Like, just just coming and showing up and having that dedicated time. And what it's really done is now it's given me a place where I can start that habit with my family, where it's like we're intentionally stepping out of our schedule and saying, 
okay, we're going to go and spend this time with the Lord. And what my goal is and what we've been trying to do is like, okay, I don't want my kids just to think like, oh, I just come to church to read the word. But it started that habit for me. So now when I'm at home, I'm like, oh, I'm going to sit and read the word out loud at home. And so that it's just helped me to get that habit in place that I've always wanted, but wasn't making the time for. And I feel so equipped right now. Like sometimes I just like marvel. I'm like, God, there's wisdom in me now. Like legit wisdom. Like I pray every time I go, like Holy Spirit, increase, increase wisdom, increase might, increase understanding, increase fear of the Lord. And he's doing that. Like I am literally like shifted, like stuff I struggled with forever that I'd be like, life group, pray for me. Like, I'm always yelling at my kids. Like, God is like, as I'm just in him and just spending the time with him, stuff's just breaking off. And I'm like, I'm just not the same. Like, I'm literally not the same. And so, (laughs) so I just want to like, I just want to say like, I really feel like this is the strategy God has given our church to prepare us. And so if you're having a hard time engaging, like, just show up. You don't have to lead a prayer block, although I do love leading it because I like to read the word out loud. But, like, even if that's not where you're at, just start somewhere with showing up because God's really using it to get us ready. And I, like, I'm always like, God, I have no idea what you're doing through me just showing up and through this 24-7 just exalting him. Like, we have no idea of not only what it's doing in us, but like spiritually, like the dark forces that are being pushed back just from God's people being awake and like on the watch, you know? So like I'm being transformed, but I don't, it's not even for me. Like I just go sometimes and I'm like, I just start and say, Jesus, you're worthy. Like you're worthy. And I just like begin to weep because he is. And like the more I spend time doing it, the more worthy I see that he is of just my yes, just my sacrifice. And I have six kids, so, like, it's not easy for me to, like, you know, go at a 2 a.m. shift. But, like, if it's needed, I look and I say, okay, God, I'm willing. Not always am I willing. Like, thank God Stephanie showed up last night because I was not willing to go last night. But, <laughs> but I look and I say, God, where can I show up? You know, and I try to bring my kids. Like, you know, I have people in my life that I'm like, hey, if I sign up for this one, could you do an hour and a half and I'll come for a half an hour with my really little ones? And that way they're getting trained. And I'm, I'm amazed at what comes out of their mouths. Like my son who's like, they're changing. Like I, this morning I was just snuggling my son and I was like, God, he's different. Like there's a sweetness and a tenderness about him that hasn't been there. And like, I'm telling you, like my whole family is being transformed simply by saying yes and showing up with whatever weakness we have. Like it's messy, guys. I have three little ones. And when they're there, I'm working, like I'm running, (laughs) making sure they're not getting into equipment. But like, I just give them the mic and my daughter, who's not even two yet, she'll sing Jesus Loves Me or she'll say, um, what's that song we've been singing at Life Group? Yeah. She'll say, that is who you are. And she's like 20 months old, but like, will literally like knows that she's there to sing to the Lord. So I just feel like if you're not involved yet, like, get involved. Like, God is telling us this is the strategy he has for us so that we can be prepared and equipped, and it's powerful when we give our yes. Amen. Amen. Thanks, ladies. Hey, Brad, come up here really quick, you know, because I want to reinforce the fact, like, we hear these great testimonies about what the Lord's doing in prayer, but the truth is there's also this 
this dark side in our hearts that's very resistant. And like I know before I even sign up for blocks, I'm sitting there because I'm usually on backup, just filling in, right? So whatever needs filling in, I jump if no one signs up and or Steph or the E4 team. And so the anxiety, I don't know what it is, the anxiety, the stress, whatever it is before you actually press that button is crazy. And I've, I've laughed to other people. I'm like, you feel it too? Everyone's like, yeah, it's like, I hate to press the button. Then when I come, I'm like, why? This is amazing. Like this prayer time. And so we had a leadership meeting there night and, you know, we are in a season of testing. I'm going to preach a short message today just to highlight, you know, galvanize what the Lord is doing in our midst right now. But these testimonies, I, I didn't pre-think them, any of them. I just got texts from several of them about God moving tremendously in their families this last week. And then at leadership meeting, um, saw that many of the life groups last week had intense discussions and real intense, like, struggling through all this stuff. And I, I just want Brad to share, because Brad represented much of what happened in the life groups this week. And, and I just want him to share that and some of what happened in his heart, like, with his family. Did you want to get Brad Sure. Yeah, so... This happened before Sean preached last week, and I think Sean's message was very, like, stirring, provocative, stirring. It was very, it engaged a lot of discussion in my life group, and um, so I just want to share kind of what my process has been. You know, we signed up as a life group to lead blocks, and it was, it was work to get people there, but we always had coverage. And so the first block that I went to um, you know, my kids were running around, my wife was there, we were doing our best to keep the kids aligned and, and doing what they need to. And, and anyone that knows me, I'm like, you know, I like things to be like planned, well executed. You walk away and you say, we did what we had to and it was done well, right? And so this is stretching me. And so anyone that's known me for a while at the church knows that like if there is any move of the spirit and I touch the mic, I am like a sobbing fool. Like I just can't speak clearly. I can't and it's really, it's really God working through me, and it's something I just haven't even made sense of ever, and I'm, you know, I'm in my mid-30s, and, and so I'm like, don't want to get in front of a camera and pray and just be this blabbering fool, okay? And so my wife says to me, well, you can just read. Well, not a lot of people know, but I couldn't read till third grade. So when I read out loud still, I can stammer. And so I'm like, I'm not going to cry like a fool. I'm not going to read like a five-year-old. You know, it's like kind of like, and so the irony is, is that like, you know, God's given me the ability to communicate and it's really helped me in my life. Even in my career, lots of times I tell people I'm paid to talk at this point. Well, for most of the time, there's other stuff I have to do. But um, so we had this first life group prayer block and we we're on our way home and my wife looks at me and she goes, you're you're pissed. What is wrong? Like I was leaving the, the prayer block angry. And she's like, and I was just kind of silent in the car. And then I told her, I'm like, well, I, I walked her through this whole process. I just described to you guys. I don't want to pray. I don't want to read. And I was really offended. And the reason I'm sharing this is because I think a lot of us were stirred in a way from Sean's message that dug some stuff up. Like things came up, like came to the surface and so our next block, uh, we were figuring out as a family who was going to go. And I said to my wife, I said, I'll stay home with the kids. I know you want to get out of the house and not be with them. 
And my wife looked at me and said, no, 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 you're going. And I was like, and God had already been kind of saying that to me, but I was not wanting to do it. And so I went, and Matt Lawrence and I led a good portion of the block, and we were just like crying together back and forth. He's worshiping, I'm praying, I'm reading the Word some, and God's stirring stuff. So my whole point of bringing this up is, even for me, I hadn't put all that together until this prayer movement. The struggle I had with being in front of people in a spiritual moment or reading out loud. And, you know, I joked at the leadership meeting, my kids that go to CLA read better than me out loud, you know. So I just want to encourage anyone that point where you're feeling offended, you got to ask yourself, you got to go to God and say, what is this stirring in me, right? And if you're in a life group, go to your life group leader and just say, hey, like, I don't really know what's going on here. And, and it's been messy for most of us, I would say. We're all just like, don't want to give up our time. I want it perfectly planned. I want it six months planned out. I'm doing it this day, not that day, you know. And so to just pick up and go, it's not an easy thing. But without this movement, we wouldn't be going after these things. And that gets back to what Crystal said, where God's doing stuff in us that would have not happened without this movement. And the fact that we're getting upset and offended means that God is moving. And He's going after our hearts. He's going after our lives. And He's, he's asking us, are you serving me when it's simple? Or are you serving me always? And I'm not perfect. I'm still growing in this, like absolutely. And um, I'm just... Take the opportunity to go and, and the inc- inconvenience of praying, the inconvenience of being up in front of, of the camera and whoever's watching, and it's just God's going to use it. It's basically, that's it. Thanks. Yeah. Hey, um, there's a couple of things that I want to share from my heart. I'll get into my personal testimony to give it some context, but really out of Ephesians 2, Ephesians 2 and Hebrews 2, um, just about the greatness of God. There's two things that I felt um, in my heart that God is really revealing in this season, and it may resonate with a few others uh, in here as well, is just a, ne- a neglect of the greatness of our salvation, okay? A neglect of the greatness of our salvation and taking the Lord's grace in vain, Right? We're neglecting the greatness of our salvation. This is what's happened in Hebrews. He says, remember like what was, was spoken to you. How can we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? We have to, as a church, come to a place and again see the greatness of our Lord and the greatness of, the, of how he has acted towards us. He has given us eternal life. Ephesians 2 said we were once dead, but we are made alive. What are you doing with that life? He has given us life, eternal life, abundantly. Do you know that? Do you live as if that is true? Is that your perspective on life? That you have eternal life now, today? And the, the, my testimony was I was going to a prayer block. It was like midnight, 2 a.m., I forget. But I didn't want to be there. Um, I was tired. I, it was like a Sunday night. I was getting ready for work. And I was like, you know what? Um, I'm just, I know reading's good. People like read, but in my mind, it was bad. I was like, I'm just going to read because it makes the time pass faster for for me. When I usually pray on the mic and stuff, so I'm like, where can I read? I'll go through a gospel. Those are long. Um, But then I got super convicted. 
like very convicted uh, from the Father. And he brought me to a place of, this is how my season kind of started. He's like, Brennan, you have access right now to me. Access to the living God, the one who has created everything, who knows the beginning and the end. This is the grace in which you stand in. And you're, and you're debating in your head just to read a book to make the pastime faster? Begin to engage. Begin to engage and participate. You have access to the living God. Do you live in that reality? And that's what I think this prayer movement, uh, Steve says, like, what's next? What's next? And I think it's a standard, a standard of living in the reality of the greatness of our salvation, not living in fear and actually living in hope because there is a day that he is going to return and you will be made just like him. That is the gift that he has given to you, life, and you will, you will share in his very glory. That's what it says in Ephesians 2. He says, don't neglect this great salvation. It goes And Psalms 135, one, that stuck out to me. I'm kind of rambling here, but 135, it says, God does what he pleases. In Hebrews 2, it tells us, don't neglect the greatness of his salvation because his pleasure was to bring many sons to share in his very glory. And he does what he pleases, and that's what he's done for you. He's given his son so that you can share in his very glory. Do not take that in vain right now. It is not a time or the age to take that grace in vain. You really have to examine yourself in this hour. Because our God is great. And I do believe he's going to do wonderful things in this new season. But it starts here with our standard of living in the greatness of our salvation. And the word, if you go to my life group, the word that I always share it's been put on my heart. It's just the word excited. Yeah. Well, that night when he told me about access again, he goes, Brennan, you should be coming here excited that you're engaging with the living God. The, not a stone, not a wood, the one who's alive and who speaks and who's powerful. So as a church, my, my appeal to you is to raise the standard in which you you see God and how you live accordingly. And be excited about life. Life is a gift. I know the brevity of it. I lost my dad this last year. That's hard. So I want to appeal because I know people mourn. I don't want to say like, oh, we always have to be excited and like fake it. I know what it is to go through trials. Two months after that, I, wanna, I lost one of my close high school buddies. He was 31, had a nine-month-old girl, his own business, and suddenly died one day on, on the treadmill. So I know the brevity of life. I know it's short, and I know there's, there's trials and tribulations throughout life. So I don't want to just like, hey, we just have to be excited. But there is a, a place for a Christian to be like, I'm a Christian. I'm alive in Christ, and I'm excited about that. Like, I love that. I wake up in the morning sometimes, and I'm just rejoicing. I, and it's a new season for me. I, I sing now. I'll be in my shower, and I'll just, I just started singing, and I sing, and I praise God. And if whoever, Amy says, I can't, like, I'm the worst singer. I'm, like, the worst singer possible, but I'll sing. And um, church, we got to be excited about who we are in Christ. You have been made alive. You were once dead without any hope, but now you've been made alive. Live like it. <laughs> wow that was fire i'm telling you this is what god's doing this is what god's doing in our midst he is changing hearts he's he's turning over soil and i'm not saying just from others i'm saying my own life 
I mean, it's a struggle. I, I really feel, you know, I want to say, like, I am not perfect, and some of you may hate the way I preach, you know, and I wish sometimes that I could do better. I wish I could be someone else, but I got to be who I am and do my best, and I have to lay it out, my conviction, my authenticity, and my heart. One thing you know for sure is what's coming out is genuine. It is what's in here, not some hype word that I want to deliver to for any other purpose than to see people come to Jesus in a deeper way. And some people need a kick. Especially when you've done three months of cogeline, envisioning, inspiration. Like, So if I've offended you, I am sorry. And I have not gotten any texts from any of you who are offended. If you are, it would help because you could ask me a question. You could say, you know, ask questions about kind of qualifying the word. Like, hey, can you help me understand? Did you mean this? Did you mean that? And most of the time, from the things I've heard, I would say, good Lord, no, that's not biblical. You know, I'm, if you put everything together and you sum it all up, you start to see, like, the, if you follow context, you're like, full of mercy, full of grace whole beginning of this thing. What was God tearing down? Performance and excellence in the sense of human excellence. And sometimes God cares more about doing a work in the heart than having all nice, clean, and orderly. Sometimes he's like, no, I'm going to do what I want to do, and I'm going to mess this up, and I'm going to, I'm going to stir things, and I'm going to do a work. And I'm going to push back all kinds of human expectation, human conditions. And so... It's brief because I want to wrap this up. This here represented the heart of my message. And the message, if I title it, like Steve always says, it would be season of testing. Will you accommodate me? And since we've answered the calls of church to accommodate God, he's done and is doing a deep work in many hearts, in our marriages, in our families, in our children and youth, and in our young adults. What we thought would lead us quickly into this regional, global revival and awakening (laughs) only led to the exposure of our need, our dire need to prepare and be transformed in our church and also in the regional church. He's challenging dead religion, which we are all steeped in. He's challenging performance-based spirituality. Complacency. Pride. Stubbornness. Individualism. That's where you don't need anybody else. It's all about you. Even if it's about you and God, it's still all about you and God. Criticism. Idolatry. He's calling us into authentic, genuine relationship with God. He's calling us into identity as sons and daughters who know his love experientially, not just up here. He's calling us into purity, holiness, consecration, where he really gets to be Lord over our life. He's calling us into an obedient lifestyle marked by good works and fruitfulness, healthy relationships, humility, unity, and vibrant engagement 
in church community life. It's a challenging season. It, as evidenced over the past few months, really years, right? You're all going to laugh and say, no, it's not been a few months. It's been years. The leadership is convinced of the need to prepare and challenge the body to be established in the gospel. A life which receives the free gift of salvation and as a result is given to the way of Christ and the apostles. Given to a life with good works. Live into a life that proves their faith by their works. We've all been exposed to some degree with shortcomings, <laughs> attitudes, sin, places where we fall short and we know it and we need to grow. We've been challenged. We've been tempted to be offended and sometimes been offended, blame shifted, even complained. Surprisingly, much like the Israelites, humans in so many ways are the same throughout the ages. We read the Bible and we're like, oh, that is terrible. And then we go and do the same thing. At the same measure and degree. God is trying to set the... God is breaking his church free from the spirit of the age and drawing us into his Holy Spirit and his ways. In our last leaders meeting, life group leaders concurred with this, as, you know, like, really, the last two guys shared. Many, if not most, of the prayer times in the habitation, if you're watching online and just kind of following and tracking the themes of God's heart that are coming out in intercession. It's a call to Christ-centeredness, purity, commitment to the Lord, renewal of hearts, marriages, families. As leadership, there's a burden that's carried with the Lord and sometimes even frustration over the degree of progress and receptivity. If you've discipled someone in the Lord, you know how difficult this can be if someone is stubborn and doesn't receive your wisdom that you know is going to end up in some sort of missing out or casualty or something. If you're not a leader and have a hard time relating to this example, consider how it feels as a parent dealing with children who don't receive your instruction. Is there any parent in here at all that's never lost your cool with your kids? Raise your hand. Uh, Noah! Oh! <laughs> See Noah for parent counseling of how to keep your cool in all situations. Sign up now. Kurt's putting a schedule online, and it will be... <laughs> Forget your job, bro. You are now a slave to this truth. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, Lord. You know what it's like, right? When you work with your child, and they don't listen, and you start getting frustrated. Now, some of you don't have kids. Your kid's still a baby, so you can't hold them accountable right now to how frustrating it is to deal with obstinance or not receiving, right? So how about this? How about in a relationship with someone where you don't feel you're understood, heard, or misjudged? Anyone here without kids, without... Um, 
kids that are older that can actually respond defiantly to you or that doesn't disciple people. Anyone know how frustrating that is? You feel unheard, misjudged. Okay, well, that, in all these cases, right, we need to bring these situations along with the feelings and the attitudes to the Lord in prayer. We need to really walk experientially that God is greater than anything that seems impossible on this earth. And we walk into this supernatural trust in the Lord that he hears your prayers. His arm is not too short to save and intervene. God responds to prayer. There's a reason why we're told that the fields are white unto harvest, but pray for the labors. Man, I talked to Noah the other night, and it just stirred my heart. It was only like 10, 15 minutes, but he just, you were one ball of encouragement. And that's one of the things he said. It's like, there's a reason that the fields are white, and we're called to pray. Pray. Prayer. So if you haven't heard, sometimes I do get frustrated. I get frustrated as a leader. I mean, I've labored in this my life. I've given my life to see the body of Christ shine, to see the wrinkles and the spots be taken away. It's not me, it's the Holy Spirit, but he, I have partnered with him. I would not be here, I'd be dead in discouragement if I did not constantly go to God and say, Lord, it's not my responsibility, it's yours, but I have this burden and this sense I've been enlisted in your service, Lord. I mean, just read all the different accounts of no, um, um, Moses and Abraham and all throughout the Bible. And so I want to say, if I've ever offended you because I've been frustrated or angry or you've interpreted it that way, have a little slack on me like you would want the Lord to have on you. And I'm saying, forgive me if I've hurt you or offended you, but... I will not apologize if I've caused conviction to rise up in your heart. I won't. That is my role, is to be used as a sledgehammer. That's what an apostle is, an apostolic leader, right? It's bam, break the ground, plow ahead, push ahead, right? Now then there's others on our team that are pastoral, and they'll come and they'll say, well, let's go. You heard them. Come on, I'll, I'll kind of put some salve and some dressing on that little cut from falling on that rock. And then there's others like Steve that'll say, let me help you understand really and break down and add flesh to this bold declaration that he said that offended your socks off. Right? It's different gift sets. It's different roles. And there's others that can't do what I'm doing. They wouldn't do what I'm doing. And so I'm not trying to justify myself only. I'm saying, hear my heart. Be willing to talk to me. I will not attack you. I promise I will listen with all my heart. If I've caused you offense or caused you misunderstanding, I am very approachable and I'm very full of mercy. Very gracious. I do love you, but I'm going to move on. I was struck by this idea of, you know, that this is the 99th day, and I just said, I wonder what 99 means. And I, 
I'm amazed at God's handiwork. It's just, I'm like, what in the world? How could this, you couldn't make this happen. The possible meaning of the number 99 derived entirely from events and, and writings delineating scripture. Abraham at 86 produces Ishmael through Sarah's servant Hagar, Genesis 16. 13 years later when Abraham is 99... Genesis 17, God promises to multiply his descendants through Sarah as the sand of the sea. Additionally, the outpouring of the Lord's blessing upon his progeny would ultimately lead to benefiting the entire world out of Genesis 12. The unique covenant of Genesis 17 requires that Abraham, an old man at 99, circumcise not only himself, but his 21-year, his 20-year-old son. Holy cow. I don't know. I could do someone else, but not myself. I'm just telling you that. This was a painful act. And Ishmael, who was 13, with all the male servants in his house, line up, gentlemen. And we read about this in 17. This is a season of testing and consecration. It's not a coincidence that this is the 99th day. When this happened, you know, when we see in Genesis 12 and 15 and 17, all put together there, you know, the promise to Abraham in 12, then 15 when the Suzerainty Agreement started, which that was when he said, I'm going to put you in a, cut up a bunch of animals in half, so that there's a bloody corridor that a covenant may be made. And typically, they would use this covenant for the weaker king that was overtaken by a stronger king from another nation. The weaker king would walk through that line between the two animals and say, if I don't hold up to my promise to you, O great king, who has conquered our nation, may I become like these animals, slaughtered, and he would walk experientially, feeling this whole thing experientially, making this commitment to God. And so in this instance, in 15, God has Abraham line up all this, these, this sacrifice. And then God knocks Abraham out into a deep sleep. And God himself walks through that channel of blood and says, may it be according to, as these animals, if I don't hold up my covenant to myself for the promise that I've given to Abraham. Can you see that? God making an agreement with himself that I will hold this covenant even, and if I don't, I will become like these animals. This thing is all right after an unconditional promise in Genesis 12. This is the gospel, folks. We've been given a free gift of salvation, but that does not mean you have nothing to do. It's a free gift of salvation, and then there comes expectations of how one is to live out their faith unto the Lord of glory who laid down his life for us. And, you know, in the previous weeks, I've said if, you know, if you don't have a lifestyle and a demonstration of prayer, my question would be, do you really know the Lord? Are you really saved? Now, that is not to mean if you don't 
pray, you won't go to heaven. But I am telling you that if you are truly saved, you will have fruit of the Spirit. You will have fruit of good works and justification of your faith in your life. Now, that's very different from doing things to try to earn God's favor versus saying, I am saved. I love him unconditionally. He has won my heart through the appropriation of the cross to my sin, wiping it away, and now I stand directly, have direct access, bold access to Jesus, to, to the Father. And now I get to do good works. It is my responsibility. It is my call as a, as a slave of righteousness to this Lord of heaven and earth. Very different from saying, I must earn God's approval. I defy that doctrine. Never would, should we try to attain our favor from God through works or salvation through works. But there are works expected from your free gift of salvation. Okay, so... You know, I want to just finish this thing out with God is committed to bring us through this season of testing if we allow him. And, you know, I love in the end, Josiah's so prophetic, he just kind of started talking about the names of God right at the end. So many people just, that's why I'm just, I'm, I'm flying through this because we've heard testimony of much of what I'm sharing about. But the names of God, who he is, his nature, if you never know, if you can't find a scripture on a certain aspect of uh, a certain situation, right? And you're like, well, it doesn't talk what I do in this situation. Okay, well, good, a good biblically founded person then turns to the nature of God. Is the nature of God in alignment with this or this decision that I have to make? And we know God is life-giving and so that's what I'm talking about, this nature. So if we look at some of the names of God, we know that Jehovah-Rohi will shepherd you through this season directly and through his servants. You know, God's mercy is even conveyed through the number 99. Remember in the scripture, Matthew 18 and Luke 15, if a man has 100 sheep and one of them goes astray, does he not leave the 99 on the mountains and search for the one who went astray? Underlying all of this hard talk is the fact that God is full of love and mercy. But, you know, we don't put that to the test. It's his nature to be a good shepherd. You know, the whole parable of these 99 and the 1, it talks about, you know, that God will do whatever it takes to restore someone who has lost their way. It's a testament to God's fervent desire to have all humans choose his way of life and live forever. You know, and my whole thought is this, as we're talking about this journey of one to a hundred, there's much more than that. I believe we're going to be like um, Obed-Edom, who basically said, oh, we've been through three, three months, a hundred days. What do we do now? We have been touched by his presence and are addicted and cannot leave him, and we will move our homes to be with his presence. That's where this has led us to. It's led us to a place of burning desire for the living God, and we do not want to live without his presence. <laughs> you know, Jehovah Jireh will give you provision in this season. 
And provision doesn't always come easily or always as we suspect. And you know, I want, I, I felt like as I was praying through this, he wants businessmen to listen. Because there's a word for you if you're a businessman in this, that God is Jehovah Jireh. But I want you to see it's not just, Lord, you said you'd provide hallelujah, glory. Okay, but that's not necessarily like when we look at this Jehovah, this Jehovah Jireh, this occurrence in Scripture, right? We, we see like one of the first times was with Abraham in Genesis 22. And God instructed him to take his son of promise and sacrifice him on the altar at the top of a mountain. This story doesn't appear to have a provision to it. Just to put yourself in this father's position. So he goes all the way up there. Put, put yourself in this, in Isaac, who's 20 years old. As they're walking up the mountain, picture being 20 years old with your father over you. And you know what's happening because you're seeing it all happen because it's in play until the Lord says, stop, stop, and sees a ram to the side in the thicket. All of this leading up to this lesson on, see, I will provide for you. How many of us, though, would not even allow the lesson to continue because we're like, no way. Uh-uh, not going to do it, God. And we get to a place where we don't even see God's provision because we're not even willing to go there because it doesn't fit our expectations of what a provision might be. I'm telling you, folks, we are so, we, 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 we are so steeped in our humanism. We read these stories and gloss over, but we don't realize this Jehovah Jireh lesson on provision came after a grueling testing to see, will you obey and trust me? Many of us don't even get to the lesson because we won't even go through what God's calling us to. We won't obey. Get the point? I'm moving on here now. Jehovah Nisi, in this journey, you will find your identity in Christ. It happens in your heart as you engage with God and others in a community setting. Jehovah Nisi means... I'm going to read this little bit here because it's really great. Jehovah Nisi, Lord's my banner, takes place in Exodus 17. This is so much about our season. Mo Moses led the children of Israel through the desert. They encountered another problem, fierce enemies called the Amalekites. They were warriors in their, in their nature and their upbringing. So suddenly, they're at war with the Amalekites, and it was a national existential crisis. Moses, too old to fight, relied on his general Joshua and climbed a nearby mountain for a bird's-eye view of the battle. Bible says, and so it was, Moses held his, up his hands that Israel prevailed, and when he let his hands down, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands became heavy, so it talks about Aaron and her supporting his hands, one on each side and the other on the other side, Exodus 17. But this speaks of so much about the identity happening within community, 
Like we think, oh, it's just about me knowing my place in Christ. Yes, but it's also you're forged by community. Our individualism robs us from being established in identity in Christ. And this whole warfare and the overcoming of a nation was dependent upon Moses, the leader, holding his hands up. Why did God do that? Why didn't he just say, I'm God, I could take care of this. But instead he said, oh no, I'm going to use my leader to demonstrate that I I use government, I use leadership, I use the body of Christ to express my greatness. So anyway, Joshua won the battle as Moses interceded on the mountain. Moses built an altar and called the name, the Lord is my banner. In Hebrew, that's Jehovah Nisi. In ancient times, banners were like huge signs, like hanging in a gym to commemorate championship seasons. The Hebrew term came from a word meaning to glisten, and it referred to the insignia suspended at the tops of poles, which were lifted up to identify the tribes and the peoples. On the mountaintop, Moses had lifted up the rod, and you know, I just imagine him, like the Lord is my identity, the Lord is my victory, the Lord is my banner. As he waved his hands, he, he was thinking, I'm raising a banner over the people as, as he looks and sees the, the, the tribes, the banners of the tribes all in battle, standing up, saying, we are here to stand and fight for the Lord. Then finally, I'm just going to leave you this last one that I think is critical. There's many more names of God, but these are the, the ones that I feel are so appropriate for our season. There's so many more. There's Jehovah, you know, the one who is righteous, and the Lord who sanctifies, Jehovah M. Kadesh. But I want to leave you with Jehovah Shema. And this is the Lord who is there. And, you know, we see a lot of things. We see in Pentecost Sunday, we're talking about the coming of the Holy Spirit. And in Acts 1, it talks in verse 3, after his suffering, he presented himself, Jesus, to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive He appeared to them over 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them his command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift the Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. John's baptism signified salvation. These people being committed to the Lord. I am a follower, disciple of Jesus. And he comes and says, there is more. There is something, someone called the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to send him to jump inside you and fill you, to empower you, to live above and beyond the spirit of the age. The spirit of the air, Satan, is the spirit, the God of this age, this God of this world. And I'm going to put something in you that can defy and live above and beyond his power and his rule over your life. You'll be a people who rise up above this darkness and this oppression, and you will shine with my glory. Then they gathered around and asked him, Lord, what are you doing at this time? to restore the kingdom of Israel. And he said, verse 7, is not for you to know the times or dates, but the Father is set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be witnesses, martyrs in Jerusalem, and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. 
two continues. They're actually in Jerusalem waiting in the upper room. And when the day of Pentecost came, they were all in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each one of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews of every nation under heaven. When they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them in their own language being spoken, utterly amazed. They asked, aren't these Galileans? How is it that each of us hears them in our own language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Fergia, all of these places. Amazed and perplexed, they said, what does this mean? See, the Holy Spirit pouring out doesn't always bring answers to your questions. It usually brings a lot more questions. And then it brings persecution of people who don't understand with their minds. And so they started saying, they made fun of them. Something, a genuine move of God is not always received, folks. I'm telling you, you would think like if God came down, people would know it. No, not necessarily. And so he came down and people actually made fun of these people who had the Holy Spirit being poured out in their hearts. They've had too much wine. Now, I don't really know how drunk they were in the Spirit, but the fact that it wasn't received... If we boil this whole message down, it's saying we are in a time of testing. We're in a season of testing. And God is saying just three months later, I mean, Obadiah, if you remember, um, no, not him. Oh, it was, it was Jehovah Rapha, my healer. And it was in that account where, you know, they were just delivered out of Egypt. They're crossing the Red Sea. They just had this amazing thing happen. Everyone's jazzed, but the jazziness of it, the newness and the excitement of it is wearing down. And this is days, weeks after. What would you do? Would you forget? You would forget that much because they did. And they walk through this and they start after this incredible miracle, start complaining to the Lord. You brought us out here to kill us. There's no water. What are we going to drink? And start complaining and griping and accusing Moses. And everything's all stirred up like. And then he brings them to a bitter pool and they try to taste the water. I was amazed that even this, to realize the lesson of healer is through a terrible situation where you're, you're thirsting and going to die because you have no water. And then you come to the only water and it's contaminated. This is how God shows that he's a healer? And then God has a tree fall in the water and the tree makes it all better. Heals the water. So that the people can drink and I feel like it was the Lord saying, oh, my, 
my wonderful children. I'm going to heal this water so that you can drink and know that I am God. What happens when the excitement wears out of the habitation? It's called like, Lord, bring healing. Jehovah Rapha comes when the excitement's worn out. And you need healing. And boy, in this season, folks, God is going to heal your hearts. He is going to make you whole in a way you've never dreamed of. He is out to expose and heal every aspect of our hearts, our attitudes, our minds. He is in this with us. And that's the point of my message in this season of testing. God is who he says he is. His name is great and to be lifted up high. He is faithful to bring you through a season of testing and give you the promises that he has given you and committed his heart to by his own covenant. A pure and spotless bride without wrinkle. A full stature established in the truth, established in his love, established in identity, established in healing. Knowing your identity because you have become a banner of the Lord, expressing his nature. Turn to the Lord. That is my challenge is invite this God who is able to bring you through a season of testing. He's given you the spirit to point things out Don't say, oh, well, I just don't know. No, the Holy Spirit will shine a light on every frailty you have if you are daring enough to see it and respond. And that's the key that he's given us, the power of the Holy Spirit to respond to him and and make it through this season of testing, shining, glorious with his power, his presence, his just radiating nature. So, Father, I pray for everyone here that you would... Do this work in all of us. Father, I thank you for this trying time, the time that you're going after everything. You're unearthing things in our heart that we haven't even really realized the extent of. Thank you for this habitation. Thank you, Father, for inviting us to come and accommodate you. We thank you for the testing that comes with it. We thank you for this season, and we say, Lord, Let your grace be upon us that we are able to pass the test. Humble our hearts that we might be lifted up by you, Lord. We pray. Show us. I pray for a spirit of wisdom and revelation knowledge to be upon every one of us. That we would know your handiwork. We'd know what you're doing. We'd know what you're up to. And we'd be able to respond with humility that we would forgive, that we would release. We would look to you alone and not point the finger and blame everybody else like Adam did to Eve. It was my wife who did this. Lord, I, take, I ask you to take criticism out of our mouths and have our fingers not be pointing, but our hands lifted up saying, come, Lord, show me, change me, empower me, Father God. Father, I pray on this Pentecost Sunday that there would be an outpouring of Holy Spirit and power in such a powerful way that, Father, hearts would be turned to you and filled to the brim of overflowing, Father God. Transformation would be in the house, in our hearts, in our families, in our marriages, Father God. Be our God. Let us be your people, Father. 
And Father, we walk low and bow low to you, Lord God. Be our God. Be the head of the church. Be exalted above all others, Lord God. Empower leaders in this church and in those in our region, Lord God, to be able to obey you and listen to your voice and respond appropriately, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Come on, respond to him. Just let it start with this this invitation, this response to God. Let, Let us all respond to the Lord. Whatever he's doing or whatever he's trying to forge in your heart.